Welcome everybody to the Spawn of Me podcast. This is episode 91 of our show. My name is Khalif Adams. I am your host and I am joined this week and every week with my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow. He is the New Year's baby. <laughs> Cicero Holmes, how are you, sir? Happy New Year! Uh, I'm doing well, man. Uh, yeah, I just came back from my ex- uh, inspection of Bricago East. I was in the Brook part of uh, Bricago and uh, got to witness all of the gentrification that is happening all over the place. Um, it was it was amazing to see how um, uh, how New York continues to get richer while the people continue to get poorer. Um, I, I don't know where all of these where they're bussing all of the rich people in from. I guess I guess rich people don't bus in. They they like Learjet in, or maybe they get like a Will Smith tractor trailer conversion conversion tractor trailer trucks that extend into three story mansions before they go into their high rise apartments. <laughs> um, one of the one of the the really weirdest things was uh, was going into going up to Port Authority with some friends. And as I'm approaching Port Authority, thinking maybe I walked over one block east and made it to Times Square because Times Square has spread all the way to 42nd and 8th Avenue. And it's it's crazy. It used to be that you go to to Port Authority uh, or you go to 42nd and 8th and you look down the block back down to Times Square and it was like a Hitchcock hallway where all the wonderful things <laughs> in life <laughs> existed so far away and you you know you looked around and there was just nothing but vagrants and sex walkers sex workers and everything else all over the place but i mean now how does the how does the bus stop seem like a theme park now like it seems like a destination it's crazy it was clean there were tourists walking around all over the place nobody tried to rob me it was it was ridiculous what has happened to new york it is it is New York in the future. It yes. is no longer the New York of the past that you remember. No, there's no I, Bernie no. Getz. No, there's, there's no <laughs> there's no crazy people being uh, folks who are trying to rob you and get that. Might, the bus stop might have been the actual safest place for you at that point. <laughs> right, exactly. You might you might just stay there and not be right. in the same spot. <laughs> So, oh, so yeah, so so it is the new year. It is 2016. Yeah. Uh, we definitely have to look back to uh, our last episode. We had our brother Jason Fragone, who was on uh, dropping some massive knowledge about uh, yes. the, the concept of swatting. And, uh, and I'm really proud of that show. I think it, I think it came off really well. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people learned some stuff that they didn't uh, know before uh, and got a different kind of insight into that world uh, and that seedy kind of gross world, mm-hmm. that New York bus stop world that we know we know of. <laughs> right. That, yes. Of, of days gone by. Yes. The, the bus stop has migrated to swatting. Basically. Um, basically. Yeah. That yeah. is. Yes. Yeah, swatting is the new age port authority. <laughs> oh, no, that, that's, that's the worst. That's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Anyway, so so this show, episode 91, is going to be very different. Um, this is our throwback to 2015 show. We're going to do a little recap uh, of, of some of our favorite moments over the past year uh, that we got to both be a part of and kind of help uh, push forward. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, we always like to start things off with a little bit of humor. Um, and we had a lot of laughs in 2015. Yes. We had a lot of fun stuff yes. that we got to kind of talk to talk about and uh, talk to some of our guests uh, through and with. Um, so 
yeah, we're going to talk about a little bit of uh, actually we're going to run a couple clips uh, and let you hear some of the best moments that we had over the year. Um, and some of those include some of our wonderful friends. Uh, we had something from Lisa Brown. We had something from Tramel uh, Ray Isaac, uh, our, our dopeness friends, Tanya DePass and Curtis Knight. And the man, the myth, the legend, the one, the only Adam Sessler ends up <laughs> <laughs> rounds out the end of that end of that clip block with one of my favorite moments of 2015. So we'll let you hear that and we'll be right back. So you go through the Rockies and it was uh, it was beautiful. Wow. Except for there were some wind turbines, which was a problem because I have a fear of wind turbines. Wait, 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 wait. We need wait. You can't right. just roll over that and not. Right, you're trying to not, bury the lead and, here. Oh. Yeah, you can, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Um, like, yeah. like they're gonna grow arms and legs and come after listen. you. Like, stay puff the marshmallow. Listen, wind yes, arms? yes, exactly like that. All slow moving and creepy because they're they're <laughs> shut up. They're big. They're pointy. They move real creepy, like already, and they're just listen. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> I understand that this fear is irrational, but okay. it sets my brain on edge. There's something in my brain, lizard brain, that's like that is a predator and it's going to eat me. <laughs> so we were like, it was like me and Rodrigo, who was my partner on on Train Jam, and we're sitting in the observation car and we're talking about like what we're gonna do and how we're gonna make this game. We're talking, we're talking, and I just glance out the window and there they are. <laughs> Just right there. Scroll So wait a minute. Do, and you, I literally, do you do like... I shriek. I literally shriek. I can't... I just... And then Rodrigo's like, what's happening? What's wrong? What's wrong? <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> then I'm like trying to get a hold of myself. I'm trying to explain. I'm like, okay, so I have to explain that I have this fear. And then another one scrolls by. It's even closer to the train. It's like <laughs> right there. And I'm like, I gotta go. <laughs> so I get up and I flee the observation car. I run down, because I'm a sleeper car, I run down to the sleeper car, and I sit in the hallway of the sleeper car. <laughs> and Laurelyn is in, she was my roommate, and she's in there, and I'm like, could you let me know when there are no more wind turbines? And she, <laughs> so she like keeps watch for me while I'm huddled on the floor in the hallway of the sleeper car, because I'm, they're just, they're creepy, okay? I just, so wait a minute. I just how don't like you, them. How did you deal with Holland? Well, for, see, I was really worried about that. I was like, this is going to be scary, but I really love Adriel and I want to visit her, so I will, I will stand up to my fear. But fortunately, when I was there, it was very overcast, so you couldn't really see very far in the distance on the train ride, so I didn't, I didn't actually encounter. I saw like one really far in the distance once, but the rest of the time it was so overcast that I didn't. I didn't see any, and so I managed to avoid any encounters with wind turbines in the Netherlands, which I don't know how that happens, but <laughs> there you have it. You, you know I love you, but that's amazingly funny. <laughs> you know I do. Because my, my question, well, one, that should be a bloodborne enemy. <laughs> two, <laughs> so ooh, two, ooh. two, when, so wait a minute, because I, like, I didn't really know of wind turbines and wind farms until fairly recently, like maybe in the last 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. When did you first have, I feel bad, this has turned into like the Lisa Brown therapy <laughs> But like, when did you, when did you know that this was a thing? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know when I first started encountering them. I always remember seeing pictures of them and thought, thinking they were a little weird. But then like the first time I saw one in real life, it was like super creepy. Um, and actually there is a, there's a wind farm 
on the drive from LA to Death Valley. Right. And like we went to Death Valley. Um, when I went to Dice, I, when I, I drove up with Adriel and we went to Death Valley because it was my birthday. And we had to drive past the wind farm. And I was just like freaking out. And she's like, don't look. Just look straight ahead. Just look straight ahead. <laughs> they were off to the side. But then there's this part where you, you turn away from them. So they're in the rear view mirror. And you don't realize how often you subconsciously like check your mirrors when you're driving right. until there's like a horde of terrifying <laughs> wind turbines back there. And they're all like they're all like backlit. So it's like giant silhouettes like staring you down. It was it was terrifying. And then on the way back, the, Robbie was driving with me on the way back and we went to Death Valley and then on the way back and it was nighttime. And we were driving, and we're like, what are all those red lights up there? It's like, is that an airport? That can't be an airport. I think it's an <laughs> airport. No, it's not an airport. And then we get closer, and I'm like, I know what those red lights are. <laughs> 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 and there's this part when you get real close, and you, I could see, like, a blade, like, rotate through the red light, and it was awful. It was awful. Nice. And your love for Black Diamonds? Yeah, man. <laughs> black Diamonds. I try to tell, man, because, like, people – get all like oh man that's a nice it's a nice watch it definitely is a nice watch but people don't understand like any diamond other than like a clear one is garbage (laughs) it's a garbage diamond and it made people think that these diamonds are like legit they're not like remember when clarity used to mean something right like a, a black diamond is one step above coal right, right. it's just a dirty it's a dirty white diamond like it's right. the worst quality diamond you could probably get and he's charging arm and a leg for it oh my god you know so it's a it's a garbage diamond like you see like these uh they got yellow diamonds now which they, they manufacture actually right they manufacture right. those and the, the the chocolate diamond it's like a chocolate diamond it's just a dirty diamond like really <laughs> like it ain't you know if it ain't clear like i got a watch on now that's got like diamonds on the bezel and on the uh the numbers okay All right and uh that was that's a nice watch but it's like the black diamond everybody gets all like oh man that's that's baller like hey Ain't ball. You see anybody with black diamonds, you think they got gypped. Right. <laughs> Trash ass diamonds. And now, while we're doing this, I'm typing names into the magical Metal, metal Gear uh, name generator that Curtis wonderfully <laughs> gave me in chat. So it my, exists. It exists. So, so my name from now on, when you all refer to me, will be Knife Jackal, which is terrible. I don't like. Ooh, it. I like that. I like, I like that. What? I like. I like mahogany darkness. Knife it was. Jackal. Better it's, anyway. It sounds like gaming and pornographic all at the same time. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> it's, it's 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 like the best. It's like the best hood name that you could get. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yo, that. son, you remember when Knife Jacko went to jail? Yo, that kid, man, he, he had a, he had a future ahead of him. He was gonna play ball, everything. Oh, dude, I got covert spider. Yours is way better. Yours is way better. All right, I, see, I have to do it now. You win. You win. <laughs> So while, while Curtis is making his name up, um, yeah, it was interesting. I think the the fun, the interesting part, and I'm happy that Brianna kind of brought it up in the piece was she talked about the juxtaposition between how yes, there is a female protagonist that you can play in the game, but also how Quiet, who is the newest member of of your team, of one of your buddies that you can bring onto your squad, and if you don't know who Quiet is, Quiet is this sniper who doesn't speak. 
she's a woman who is pretty much like not clothed for battle at all. She's basically in a bra and some and some like fishnets almost with holes in them and running around the battlefield sniping at people and she doesn't talk she doesn't say a word for them for at least from what i'm up to in the story um and uh, I, i'm sorry I, I think my name is actually not safe for work so i don't know if i can even say it on the podcast of course you can Th- thunder anaconda oh damn well <laughs> Uh, he wins. Yeah. Curtis wins. I, you, yeah, you won. I will now call you Thunder Anaconda every time I speak to you. Now. I, that'll, that'll, you have to change the music uh, break to Anaconda now. Dun, 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 dun. Oh. I'm trying to get my wife to call me. That's going to be the hard part. <laughs> that's a whole other show. <laughs> that's spawn on me after dark. Words. Oh, my God. That's real. That's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Spawn Thunder on me uncensored. Sweet Jesus. So I know you're gonna. I know you're going to be at... GDC, and you're going to be moderating a panel, so you want to be a producer. How- Wait, I, I am? That's what it says. <laughs> you Breaking are, news. Breaking news. Breaking news. I'm moderating that panel? That's what it says. Oh, <laughs> <shit>. Exclusive. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. I was approached by an old buddy of mine two months ago about <laughs> doing that panel, and I said, I don't know. I need to figure out my schedule because I may have to be going out of town for PAX East, and I never heard anything back. That from, means yes. From award-winning that's, AAA that's titles and transmedia properties to Agile. Wait, wait it's, it's on a Friday, right? It's on Thursday the 5th. This is great. It's on Thursday? <laughs> that time is going to be on the Friday. Moderated by game celebrity journalist Adam Sessler, <laughs> formerly of G4 TV. Okay, okay. Since I'm learning about this, who, who's on the panel? So, so I mean, personal favorites of mine, Robin Hunnicky, who I love. Oh, I love Robin. Uh, Chuck Hoover, Dimitri okay. Johnson, David uh-huh. Fox, and Asi Burak from uh, Games for Change. Man, this is, I mean, so, usually when I'm moderating a panel, and granted, I know Robin and a couple of those guys, and th- th- those are complete pros, yeah. but usually, like, my panelists are, like, bugging me, like, hold on, do I need a PowerPoint? What do I have to do and stuff like that? Right. Like, it's, it's usually, there's a lot of corral. This is, like, the most laissez-faire. So, so, Man, I'm, glad so me, I, I'm, I'm so glad I did this podcast. So, let, so let, yeah. me just, let me just put this out here. Let me just put this out here, because since I have you on air, if Theory Head Inc. needs a booking agent, I can totally <laughs> hook you up and totally be your booker and like get you set up for the shows. Look, after this, I may need more than a booking agent. I, right, right. <laughs> I, I mean, I need to say, holy, this is fucking crazy. When you invite a guest to your show, you're hoping that they break news on your show. That, like, I got and shit to do next week. That's what I <laughs> exclusive oh, that's so great. news. That's so great. And maybe well, not. What great. time is the panel? I gotta write What's this down <laughs> so I can put it on my calendar. <laughs> it's from five thirty to six thirty PM. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh my god. I feel like I need to send you the link. <laughs> I think I know what I actually yeah. was about to say. If you can shoot it over, I would right. really appreciate oh, it. I'm, <sighs> I'm totally going to send you that link. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <sighs> oh, that's so great. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so anyway, what was the question about the panel I just learned I'm going to be moderating? <laughs> Word. I mean, uh, everything about that was crazy. I mean, it's... it's it, what <laughs> just uh, amazing i i love these people i i love them all um everything everything about what just happened was was ridiculous 
uh, Seth's finding out that he was on a panel, and and I guess the the really really super funny part about that is the end of the story is he wound up not even being on that panel. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I was up in there at, at GDC, and I was like, "There's no Adam here. What happened? I don't know what happened. I, I guess not. I guess you didn't yeah. get to that panel. Yeah, yeah." Yeah. But again, it, it just shows that, you know, when you have folks who are comfortable with you hanging out, right. then beautiful things like that kind of kind of push themselves forward. So right. you learn yeah. you learn that black diamonds are just a step above coal. <laughs> yo, he went, he, yo, Tramel, I Tramel love you, dude. In, yo. Tramel, Tramel went in on yeah. black diamonds. Yeah, he goes, he goes <laughs> um, so so another thing that we love to do on the show and we're kind of fortunate enough to have is some folks, they, they come by and we, we have them, we have them kind of stop through to talk about, you know, projects that they work on and also kind of, you know, what they do in the industry. Some of the best parts of that is when they get to drop some knowledge on us that we didn't really necessarily have before they came on the show. Um, and it's yeah. always great to look back on those moments as well to see, you know, what those little nuggets of truth were uh, throughout the year. So, um this next block up, we're going to have some dopeness coming from Jeff Kanata, uh, Nino Samuel, a.k.a. The Czar. Uh, we have Tramel Isaac uh, rocking some stuff as well. And and a really nice piece uh, about kind of what it's like to be a British dev uh, coming from Mike Bithell on the other side of that. So uh, we're going to run that. And here you go. I have said over and over that my only the only thing I'm selling, the only thing that I bring to the table in any kind of value proposition is my honesty, my honest opinion, hmm. and who I am genuinely. That's that's all that I've got to offer in this space, right? right. And mm-hmm. yep. I, we made a very conscious decision to be ourselves and to not censor opinions even if they weren't popular. And I think I've sure. tried – you know, I get a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of emails over the years when I would say something that people view as political or whatever. Uh, I get a lot of people saying, you know, I'm not interested in your opinion on the X, Y, or Z. I'm o- I only want you to talk about this or that. And I always say to that, well, I'm sorry, but that's who part of who I am. If you follow me on Twitter, you're going to get tweets about the fact that I'm excited about HoloLens and that I've been playing Dying Light, but you're also going to get tweets about Ferguson and how I feel about uh, the government and right. I am a citizen of the planet. Right, right. And I I if I feel passionately about something, I feel passionately about the game I'm playing, I feel passionately about the technology I'm using, but I also feel passionately about the way people interact with each other, the fundamental humanity of my fellow man, you know, on and on and on. I I can't draw a line between how I feel about one thing and how I feel about another, and nor do I want to. I, right. I feel like it's my – not just my responsibility but my privilege mm-hmm. to be able to speak honestly about what I feel. And if that's going to turn some people off, so be right. it. But, um, you know, I think – just because we're talking about movies or video games or fun things, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to bring my whole self to that conversation. Everything in a video game solves some type of problem. Hmm. It either solves a logic problem. It solves a gameplay problem. It solves a technical problem Hmm. to where if we remove that, you really ain't going to like 
what happens next. <laughs> right. Okay. And so that's the difficult thing. So when you're saying, hey, I'm going to introduce something new, you right. have to be able to continue to fix everything that that thing you're trying to take out fixes and mitigate as much of new issues as you right. can at the same time. Wow. And then design that within a certain window and with other specifications. Right. But really, video games are about managing complex issues with limited resources and making key decisions based on that wow. and trying to manage that over the course of the project. You know, it's, it's, it's Black History Month. Um, we are we are a podcast for people of color. We're a podcast for everyone, um, but we're featuring and we spotlight people of color, which, of course, you are. And we are. Um, what was what was the um, the the hue of the of the industry when you when you started, um, you know, two decades ago, three decades ago oh. now? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was basically a. Uh, a little bit less of what uh, you know the national uh, spotlight looks like. Right, you know, right. <laughs> you know, right now we were at like thirteen percent, so right, it was right. roughly about you know just as many black folks doing that, you know, in the United States as it was you know doing game development, and it probably even like a little bit less. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, it didn't really feel like I had I had one particular incident. Where it, it was just a reminder that it wasn't basically it wasn't even, right? And we wasn't all on the even kill, right? And right. Um, but other than that, man, it's always been like you know people come in and respect each other and you know have a good time, you know, like that. It was just that one incident right. where I had like somebody was like said some shit that was just like, "What did you just say?" That? Like, <laughs> He had no idea. Right. Like he had no idea. It wasn't, it wasn't like he was like uh, being malicious. No, I don't think he was being malicious. Right. But it's it's like it was the way. I already put it this way. Here's the here's the story. Okay. So I came down. I was coming down from a you know a different city. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know the area. Sure. And uh, I, mean, I ain't gonna even say the company. Sure. I ain't gonna say the dude's name. Right. But I was like. You know, I was doing the interview, and this was, like, everything's all said and done. You know, it already said, yeah, I'm, I'm coming to work with you guys. And um, and I was just asking them, man. I was like, look, man, you know, I'm new to the area. You know any good neighborhoods to, uh, you know, for you know for apartments or whatnot? Right. And the guy was like, he just sat there, and he looked for a while. He thought about it, and he was like, hmm, I don't know about too many black neighborhoods in here. <laughs> and I was like, What? <laughs> I said, what? what? What do you mean? I was like, dude, I just want a place to stay, right. man. You ain't got to be no black neighborhood, dog. Like, that was just, I was like, why would you even say that? I was right. like, whatever, man. Just right. get it. Right. I mean, he was clueless. Right. He was obviously right. clueless. Like, that was, like, not the thing to say. Right. But he said it anyway, and I was like, oh, whatever, dude. So basically, you asked and, for a place uh, to live, and he was like, do you like cornbread? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I heard that. I heard they sell watermelon over right. at the grocery store. I'm like, what? come on, man. Right. It ain't got nothing to do with what I'm asking. Right. The grape soda so, factory is on Fifth Street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I heard they do step dances right. over at the, oh, shit. the local mall. Wow. There's step shows over there. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy, man, yeah. but. You know, yeah, for the most part, yeah, it's been pretty, pretty easy, man. Okay. A lot of, 
a lot of people just uh, it's, I think the game industry is extremely accepting and we 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 joke we joke around all the time. That's dope. Just just the stupidest shit. Man. That's dope. Just like That's dope. T- making fun of ourselves, making fun of our race, making fun of everything. Right. Just having fun right. and not nobody really taking it seriously. That's, yeah. that's dope. So now, so have you seen um, the representation of 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 people of color um, within within you know the deaf side? Have you seen it increase over the years? Or has it oh, been yeah, the same? Most definitely. Oh, okay. okay. Most definitely. I mean, I would say Balski's probably got the, the highest density of black folks I've ever seen in one game. Wow. I did notice that. And yeah. it just it ain't that hard to be because it's like what thirty people, so right, right. No, but but, <laughs> but the thing the thing that I put... noticed really quickly was that the fact that you guys are on front of camera too. Which yeah, is yeah. which is yeah, important yeah. for us at least. Yeah. For me. Yeah. You know, we, we, you know, we're talented. We can, yeah, we can, absolutely. We're entertainers. We're good entertainers. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, it's like, <laughs> you know, you get 30 people. You know, you get three black folks. Right. That's a huge percentage right, of your right. staff. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so, I mean, it's it's, it's all about talent, man. Sure. At, at this point in time, I don't, think, I don't think anybody ever looks at, like, who you are. Right. Like I don't, I don't care where, I don't even care where, what school you went to. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's how, you know, that's how colorblind it is. Right. Like I just, I just look at your portfolio. I don't care about what your name is, where you came from, where you grew up. Right. Like it doesn't even matter to me as long as you can do the job. Right. Like if you can do the job at a high level, you got a shot. And if you ain't a complete dickhead about it, then you even got a better shot. So, <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's. I think this industry out of all industries is probably truly the most colorblind industry there is. Dope. I, mean, I, I can't really speak about like at the at the the top like corporate, you know, CEO, you know, president level, right, but right. you know, just in development itself, mm-hmm. it's all about what you can do, not right. what you look like. It also kind of gives me a tweak to think of how uh games in the US versus possibly games in in Britain and Europe are done and it seems to be both in the in the tone in the in the in the charm and in the 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 writing a very different kind of of touchstones that you guys touch upon do you feel like there there is a a significant or or even tangible difference at least i can tell that there might be some in the way that brits may make games in the way as comparison to the way that folks in the u.s might make games um i think in that aspect the kind of the writing side of it i think there is a um there's a historical thing you know we have the the kind of yeah british and american comedy have evolved almost separately like now it's very easy to forget because we're all on the internet we're all watching each other's stuff right like but like if you go back like the stuff i was watching as a kid is going to be have been significantly different to the stuff you were watching as a kid totally. like i i remember watching i think friends made it over <laughs> like i've seen friends but like everything other than that like a british stand-up british kind of sitcoms mm-hmm. uh even movies actually like there's there's a whole bunch of comedy that's very specific to us you know and you know British stuff, kind of, you know, people like Terry Pratchett, people right. like, um, well, if, if just loads, loads of people like have, have defined kind of a, a national sense of humour. Um, shows like Blackadder, things like just right. a, a very, very British, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's that history that we have. 
Um, and yeah, there's the, 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 the British sense of humor is much more about being massively cruel than American <laughs> yes, humor. Absolutely. <laughs> like, like, like the, the, the best way to know if a British person likes you is if they're insulting you to the face. <laughs> um, so, so that, I think that plays into it in terms of actual like production methods. There's, there, there are differences. It's tough to say because obviously I've not made games as an American, right. so I don't, I don't know. But when, whenever I talk to kind of, I think we take ourselves a little bit less seriously over here, maybe <laughs> um, because we kind of, yeah, we just. I think, I think, I think there's the, the the key thing, the really defining thing with British game dev is um, we've always been the small guys over here. Mm. Like in terms of like, like obviously there's massive game, like GTA is made in Scotland. Like, don't get me wrong. Like we have, you know, we have big stuff here. Right. The, the new Batman games are all done here. Right. Lego, the Lego games are all done here. So we have that big AAA industry, but at the same time, I think we have this history of being the underdog, like in terms of, um, you know, making these small games. We were never Japan. We were never America. We've always been kind of, yep. Number three, and then, you know, uh, you know, after Canada, maybe number four. You know, um, so I think that's built into our. There's like a like a underdog status that we put on ourselves, and with the as the indie stuffs come up, that's been part of that. You know, we we I think it's been an evolution of that. So you know, I'm going down the pub with kind of you know modern day indies, and also people who were making like DOS games in the 80s that you've never heard of. Right. Because they were British indie mm. scene as existed. It's not like with American indie stuff, like there is that history there, but it so quickly became big studios in the US that like you kind of needed like Braid and World of Goo to kind of make that stuff fashionable again. Right. In Britain, it had been going since the 80s. Oh, it's just, it just, it took a little while for us to kind of catch up as well. So right. I think there's that history as well. There's that kind of... Um, that kind of underdog status that we we all kind of have that we we kind of we we know we've not got the big bucks and and that means that there's that history there which has been which has been useful and interesting but again you know i i've not made games in america so i'm probably incredibly saying incredibly stupid things no i th- i mean i think i think it it comes comes across in the work and that's the reason why i noticed it and even asked that question because i it was something that's like uh, you know at least there's a conversation that, that happens. It's like, well, like self-deprecating humor is a thing that mm-hmm. I always felt was like a British touchstone as far as when you talk about mm. talk about humor. Like the humor we got when I was young that that was even anything even past American humor was Benny Hill. You know? Oh wow! Okay, okay. <laughs> like like I got Benny Hill when I was like way too young to watch Benny Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is what, oh my goodness, that lady has no, almost no clothes on. This is like late, late at night. What is going on here, Benny, Benny Hill? Um, but, but it's that kind of like tongue-in-cheek and in, in cheeky humor that you, that you spoke about and that comes across yeah. in your games really well. We, well, in Britain, we don't, we don't celebrate the winners in, in kind of British culture, <laughs> like in terms of like, in terms of comedy, like it's 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 interesting. Like when I watch, like I don't know, like something like gangster rap, right? Mm-hmm. Like gangster rap is a is a musical form that is entirely devoted to boasting about how much money you have. <laughs> yes, oh, uh, like that. Like, uh, uh, sorry, I should clarify. Like modern day gangster right. rap. Like, I know you go back. There's some great stuff, but it seems at least the stuff that we get over here, it's all about you know how many cars you have and yes. how many ladies like you and all this kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um. In in the UK, that wouldn't catch you off. <laughs> like in the. <laughs> In the, U- in the UK, we, we have, you know, we have TV shows and music and everything and that specifically are just about, like, insulting the kind of person who would boast about how many cars they have. <laughs> okay. Like, there's, in, in Britain, there's this cultural thing of, you know, stay in your place. Yes. Um, 
and and that can it's a it's a it's a double edged sword. But I think yeah, a lot of our humour is about that. It's about laughing at authority and laughing at kind of people who are a little bit arrogant. So again, it's like so dope to to basically hear really fun kind of pieces of of knowledge get 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 put on you like that. Like I you know Tremel when he came on the show. Um, we, we had an idea where we wanted that conversation to go right? and to get something really cool, like him talking about, you know, just do the job, you know, do, right. doing the job is what will keep you uh, in the industry. And that's right. what he's looking for as a person who's doing this kind of work. Um, and then Czar coming from the community of the 2k community and then dropping some dope knowledge about basically, you know, if you work hard enough, you know, you can get in and then talking about that in the terms of like what game development has looked like from his perspective of like fixing problems right. was, was, was real fun to kind of, to kind of yeah. dig into. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's super dope. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I can't believe that we were able to get, to get these nuggets um, from these people because it, you know, I mean, it, it really is just amazing um, what you can do when people feel comfortable and, and, uh, people are excited about being on the show. And, and again, that really is a testament to um, what we've been able to do as hosts, but what Bricago has been able to do as a community and, and really kind of uh, fostering a, a, a safe place uh, for people to, to speak their truths um, as, as uh, you know, Jeff Kanata so poetically, uh, so poetically said it and stated it. And, and uh, in that vein, um, we had, you know, we had some more people come on and and speak, speak some extra truths. So, you know, some things that that you you really you'd only hear here on 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 Spawn on Me. Um, you know, we really spend a lot of time trying to to edutain you, um, if I can, if I can steal a word from from the great <laughs> KRS-One. Um, and, and, you know, we spend a lot of time doing the tainment part and, uh, these next people came in and they, they did the edgy part. Um, and this, this next group talks about, they talk about racial identity and, and, you know, identity in a very, very real, frank and candid way, um, that I think you'd, you'd only hear here, um, and you'll get a chance to, to hear them in a second, um, Evan, Evan Narciss, uh, Lee Alexander, uh, uh, Kira Thompson, who's a game developer out on the West Coast, and uh, the the great Colin Moriarty, who is of, of IGN fame and now kind of funny, um, really talk about racial identity in, in such just really chilling ways. Um, thank you guys for that, and, and uh, pleased to enjoy. I want to I want to I want to address another recurring criticism that happens um, when I publish these kind of articles up on, on Kotaku, Please, right. which is uh, you know people say that I or the site is obsessed with black and white, or <laughs> or, or that it's a um, you know this is America's fucked up obsession with looking at racist certain way. right like you know the first one is like. I'm not obsessed with black and white, you know, but if we look at the power structures in this country, like, you know, from my viewpoint, my viewpoint is going to be a black one, you know, for obvious reasons. Right. Um, 
and, and the car, the corporate, you know, pipeline, distribution, all of that, like, are, are controlled by, you know, quote unquote, majority entities, right? And sure. who, who more often than not happen to be white. So like, that, that's, that's not my lens. That's the reality that we're living right, in. Right, mm-hmm. right. And, 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 and to take it even deeper, like, I'm concerned with representation of all walks of life, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Like, like queer life, right. black life, Latino life, right. you know, like, like all kinds of people should feel like, Hey, I'm worth taking a risk on in an entertainment medium. My story has value and, um, I want to see myself reflected in the things I consume, sure. you know, but let's not be naive and, Ignore the the centuries long reality, which is that uh, systems of oppression and suppression and prejudice and apartheid have sharpened their blades on the backs of black people Absolutely. for decades and centuries. Yeah, like they perfected this shit on us. Right, you know. Right, like oh, here's how you make it so people can't vote. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's how you culturally demonize. You know, entire swath of your public, of, of of your population. Absolutely. Here's how you use religion and politics and and academia and all these other cultural tools to create a second class um, um, strata. Right. You know? sure. And 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 if you want to boil that to being well, black versus white, sure, do that. Right. But it's a lot more complex than that. And and these are the same systems that have been rep- been replicated when it comes time to demonize other folk. Mm, you know, there was right. a, there was a story in the news this week. Um, I forget which it was a state college. I can't remember. University who it was. of Massachusetts at Amherst. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say it was, it was U. I thought it was UMass, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. You know, they're not letting uh, uh, Iranian nationals um, study engineering right. there. Right. And and look, you can make the national security argument. It's simple and plain, but like, to me, that smacks of, oh, wait, well, you guys can't learn to read, you know? Right, right, right. right. Slavery era, uh, the the, the black codes, which wouldn't let, you know, black people learn to read because, hey, if we let you guys have knowledge, I mean, we don't think you're that smart anyway. (laughs) Right. But let's say that, let's let's hedge our bets and, 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 and not let you have access to knowledge so that you can't organize or so that you can't put the lie to our beliefs about you not being equal. It's, it's you know, it, the, the, these are like well-established, historically documented uh, 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 systems of, of, of oppression. Absolutely. So, and, 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 you know, time and time again, black people are, are, are under the boot of these systems. Um, um, so, yeah, if you want to be, if you want to oversimplify, you can call it black versus white. But really, it's like marginalized versus versus uh, the, the, the power holders, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like these right. are things that replicate over and over again. So right. that's me addressing one of the criticisms that I always see, you know, about this kind of stuff. It's, yeah. it's, it's, there's a model for this thing and that model uh, 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 start, started, or was perfected, I'd say, mm-hmm. with the disenfranchise, <laughs> dis, disenfranchisement of black people in the United States and in the Western world, you know? Yes. Like, and yes. you see the same shit happening in France with their Muslim population. Yep, right. You know? Yeah. Like, it's, this is, yeah. this is, 
it, I mean, the saddest part, the saddest thing in the world is this shit is not new, you know? <laughs> like, right. you know, these hotheads on, in Youngbloods on Twitter, like, acting like it's new, like, you read up, right. you know? Like, right. this is not new. So, so if, if I may, um, sure. where, where, so, you know, like you said that you, you've always passed it as, as at the very least biracial. Yeah. Um, you never really self-identified as being black. Um, and uh, I guess I feel that I, I feel that I have a privilege, you know, I feel that I'm not right. treated as a black person would be treated. I feel that I'm treated with okay. privilege. Um, right. and okay. what, and when I talk about my background, you know what? Yeah, I feel I feel like I'm not, I'm treated with privilege. And when I do talk about my background, my friends are like, "Oh, really? Wow, I had no idea." And like, right, right. <laughs> even that, like, I'm like, right. "Why? Why wouldn't you? You know, what? What did you assume? I don't know." Right, um, right. So for me, I almost have I have a different problem in that I don't get to participate. I've never had the opportunity to participate in any aspect of blackness in America, but I am there's a barrier that excludes me from whiteness as well. Um, so mm-hmm. it's been weird. Now, yeah, do you, yeah. do you, do you feel like the black community, the black community in, in quotes, um, wasn't accepting to you? And, I didn't and have didn't any, I didn't know you? any black people. No, when, okay, where we grew up right. was so white. My dad was the only black person that I knew. You grew um, up in Massachusetts, right? Ma- yeah. Worcester yeah. Or? Um, in, it- in, in a town called Holliston and, and in Medway where okay. I went, like there was maybe like one or two, um, right. black guys in my school right. and, you know, yeah, I just, and you know, I was weird and so I had, tr- I had trouble making all kinds of friends. So I, I didn't really. I didn't have the resources or the ability to reach out and, and, you know, so by the time I was older and living in New York and when I was surrounded by people of all different backgrounds, you know, like now I have friends from all backgrounds and everything, but it took, it took me, I think a long time to have um, any access to other experiences besides the like homogenous white suburban one, you know what I mean? Which I guess is, Mm -hmm. I think it's probably pretty common in America. And then, yeah, like, you know, I, I now that I developed friends with all kinds of backgrounds, there's a way that, you know, privileged people are taught that, you know, we might right, rightfully so taught that we have to um, recognize and understand black experience in certain ways and that we can't be appropriative or make assumptions. And, you know, I didn't get any kind of clues or tools from my father or from my family about, you know, what I was or what experiences I did and didn't have a right to. So it wasn't a question of people not welcoming me. It was, you know, me wanting to make sure that I'm as an adult now learning to access my heritage, but doing it in a way that is respectful of experiences that were not mine. Does that make sense? No, absolutely makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely so it's makes like, sense. and it was beautifully said too. Thank you. Like my father was. So my father actually, it's an interesting story. I don't know if you read my piece. Um, you might have learned a little bit about him. That he was a technology journalist, um, the same as me. Uh, right. He put us through school and bought my family a house, writing for newspapers in the seventies wow. and in the eighties. And he he didn't talk to me much about racism, but occasionally. Um, he 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 didn't talk about racism he didn't articulate his experiences to me but there was a giant chip on his shoulder virtually all the time and to be honest to be honest there still is and it took until my adulthood to understand you know where it came from why he would get mad uh at certain types of compliments that he would get from his colleagues like oh like oh you speak so well or you know like when did you come here you know and and of course he was born he was born in new york and uh so i know that you know, based on what I what I experience and what my friends and colleagues of color from other, you know, from marginalized populations experience in technology today, I know that it must have been tough for my dad. Um, 
but exactly in the seventies, yeah, exactly. And but I don't yeah. think his generation, you know, he came from his dad was uh, from the military. Um, his generation did not. You know, we're, we're from a generation about feelings and empathy and talking openly right, about right. <laughs> about justice in emotional terms. And I don't think I don't think he had access to that and he didn't equip me with it. And I honestly, I, I think I had a lot of confusion um, for my whole life mm-hmm. about who I was and where I belonged and, and what kind of language I could use and what kind of language I couldn't and where I belonged and, and stuff like that. And, and I think for in a way, trying to become in, you know, in whichever way I can, a responsible member of the activist community in my little way in little video games is kind of, it's helped me make peace with feeling that um, absence, you know, throughout my life, that absence of race in my life. Like now mm-hmm. I have, you know, now I'm, I'm able to meet more people that I have things in common with and people who are empathetic to my background. And I get to understand that my story is something that can be told too. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's been, it's been, it's been a process, but yeah, I think that's one of the reasons my father's experiences are one of the unconscious drivers of why I do what I do in the field that I'm in. I, I tell that story all the time of me going to this beach town in, in New Jersey and saying, wow, I am really the only black person on this island right now. I'm literally the only black person. And I, and it didn't really hit me that I can, you know, I've always been in adverse place. I've always been in, in that New York space where I, I'm in constant interaction with white people on a, on a consistent basis and other people and white people can avoid that if they want to. They can they can go to a place that is that removes themselves from having to deal with any of those experiences. And it's not something that necessarily is always choice. But for the most part, it totally is a choice. So it's like right. having that conversation kind of spread itself out. It's like, yeah, we want to make sure that the that we're that we're continuously having this discussion because it's only a, it's a one way conversation in many ways. Um, Akira, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this as well. Yeah, I have a, a few a few comments on this actually. So, nice, um, nice. <clears throat> I think that uh, the lack of like you know uh, knowing or having a lot of associates outside of your race leads to the misunderstandings that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So. Uh, an example I, I kind of maybe this isn't a valid example but something I noticed um I currently usually live in LA we we're talking about Glitch City so I'm in LA um other than when I'm going to school up here uh and I like to I prefer to stay on the east side for various reasons but you know some friends of mine whom might live in a different part of the town I noticed that from time to time would kind of have this impression or say that like that the place that I lived was like uh, uh, dangerous or, or bad part of town. With, uh, uh, and the only real reason I could really see, you know, I live there. I've never run into any trouble, never had any trouble. The only reason I kind of like felt that is like, it's the brown part of town. It wasn't that, uh, that the part of LA I was in, it wasn't really necessarily like the black area. It was more of like, um, like Hispanic, uh, uh, Central and South America. Uh, a lot of people uh, that have uh, uh, descended from that region of the world live there. Uh, right. uh, so, but yeah, it kind of felt that way. It kind of felt that that's what they were saying. It's like, and, it, and to me, it kind of came from a lack of understanding because they have never placed themselves in that neighborhood. They don't really, they have a set of assumptions. And those assumptions uh, without, you know, conflicting information ever coming in are just going to remain static and stable. Sure. Right. Um, and then so another uh, thing I had about it is like, yeah, do, will, does the diversity in the games matter? And this idea of like... Um, uh, uh, white, like, uh, being the norm, white being the default. Uh, uh, I kind of had a, a brief debate 
a useless debate with someone on Facebook about this, and I, I linked to them. I don't know if you guys are familiar uh, with this, like the black baby, white baby doll experiment. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So uh, there was a new, there was like kind of a not as scientifically rigorous, but like kind of to illustrate the same thing. There's a link on Facebook, on a YouTube you can find that kind of ex- shows this. And I think, you know, uh, uh, if continuously uh, white is seen as default, then, you know, where are we in that scape? And then currently just due to history again, um, uh, uh, we have a kind of a lower value, even within our own communities have a lower sense of self-worth and self-value. And I think that will only improve once our art starts to reflect really what our, 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 what we are and what um, we can be and what we aspire to be uh, um, rather than, you know, what often I feel like we see. Something that, that uh, Cicero and I were talking about prior was, you know, our show, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, black issues all the time. We're two black dudes who are trying to figure out the gaming space and how we, and how we fit into it. And also then spotlighting people of color and also talking about marginalized folks and and politics and, 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 and all those things all wrapped up into one kind of show. Um, there aren't a lot of other people doing that except for the couple of the episodes that, that you have had on your show that we really felt were, um, one different and two appreciate it. We appreciated it because it felt like in the position that you are all in, you don't have to delve into these really sensitive and kind of not controversial, but controversial topics. Um, you guys talked about Ferguson in one episode. Right. You guys talked about recently the Confederate flag. Um, I kind of want to talk about, you know, how those conversations come up internally within the, the group that you have. And also we, we just talked about the communities that we have. Um, have you gotten any feedback from the communities about the episodes that you've done? Because, especially yourself, one of the reasons why I dig what you do is you you are very much a person who will say, hey, in Ferguson, this is what's happening to black people. This is some shitty, shitty in, in America, this is what's happening to black people. Right, <laughs> right. This is what's happening, right. And you said you said it on a couple of episodes, right. and I wanted to personally say, in, you know, on behalf right. of the show, like, we appreciate that as, right. as, as black people in America who are, like, going through it. It's nice to hear that in this space. Um, and again, you know, I'll, I'll give the stage to you. What, what, what the questions that I had out there for you in the beginning? What do you what do you feel about those co- those topics and, and how you guys are tackling those? The the beauty about you know we, we you said it where it was the four of us are just very different and we bring different kinds of things. I think I think Tim brings a lot of humor and a lot of kind of more youth to the podcast. For instance, I think Nick brings a lot of you know film expertise and kind of just a technical prowess and a know how. I think Greg kind of brings his gregarious sort of nature to everything although he has a very interesting serious side which i totally appreciate as well the beauty about our partnership together is that they've never tried to censor me and i've I've never brought up a topic where they were like we can't do that because it's going to annoy people i know when i bring up ferguson or gay marriage or the confederate flag i'm going to alienate people right but and i don't want i don't want to put this too curtly it's like Nope, if, I'm gonna ali- if I'm going to alienate, if I'm going to alien, if I'm going to alienate you because you have a problem with gay marriage, then you can be alienated. Right. You know what I mean? Thanks. And um, and to me, it's it's <laughs> you know the black population of the United States has had it really fucking bad. You know what I mean? For a very long time, and you have right. to be fucking ignorant of history, right. not to know that. And I am not ignorant of history, and you know. Hundreds of years of slavery, 
Jim Crow Reconstruction, where it looked okay for a little while, then, you know, 14, 15, 16 Amendments, all that kind of stuff. Then you have Jim Crow and segregation. Then you have all, like, it never stops. You know what I mean? (laughs) And and I just don't, I'm not going to sit by passively and act like everything's okay, because it's fucking not. And... You know, maybe it's because I just grew up with in a community that was very white and black. Maybe it was because I had a lot of black friends and I was just exposed to these kinds of things. So I was. Long Island has a pretty substantial black population, sure. and certainly in my school they we did too. And I, I I learned by watching, and I learned by listening, and by by you know my my good friend Charles, who who does great things on Long Island now with some non for profits. He's a black kid that I was really good friends with in high school. We just we just met each other for the first time since we graduated high school, actually, and had dinner together. Uh, when he was in San Francisco, and he and I used to cut class and play basketball together, and because <laughs> um, I love playing basketball, and you just get interesting perspectives when you just go outside of your bubble, and and you just you just observe. You don't even have to ask right. questions. You just right. you just kind of have to observe the way people treat you when when you're you know when you're around you know different kinds of people and this that and the other thing. And so I just try to use my pulpit, however small and insignificant it is, to say. You know what happened in Ferguson? Yeah, it's unfor- like it's unfortunate that all this shit happened. But what can we learn from the reaction of the community mm-hmm. that feels powerless? That feels like no one listens to them. Baltimore, I thought, was a really egregious thing. I thought Baltimore was was really unfortunate. But again, what can you learn from the reaction? You know, by how people feel. And this shit just happening over and over again. When a when a a, a police officer has his has his kneecap on the back of a young black girl's neck right. outside of a pool party. You know, it's there. There's, it's fucking infuriating to me yes. because I just we can solve these problems if we just acknowledge them. You know, and right. and then and then try to work past them. But to pretend like everything's just fine because it's 2015. Well, well, I'm not that fucking stupid. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you're right. So it, it's just we're, are, is, are things getting better every day? Certainly. Are there counterproductive things that are happening? Are there people that make it worse? Sure. Right. Uh, is there opportunism on both sides? Sure. Right. So because it's, it's, it's just a political game like any other game. Sure. But at the at, but in the middle of it is something that is fucking human. You know what I mean? And we have to do something to solve it. You know, and and so we can't just ignore it. Am I going to be able to solve it as a white? Man, probably not, but I can do whatever I can to contribute to, to, to the cognizance of the issues and then kind of let society deal with them. You right. know? It was wonderful to hear that. Uh, you know, Evan came on and when he when he came on, he had just finished writing a piece uh, for Kotaku uh, about uh, representation and blackness. And he just came out and he was just raw. Um, and it was mm. so, so very appreciative, um, you know, just for him to come out and really not mince any words. Um, Lee, I think, probably spent more time talking about her racial identity here than she probably has anywhere else ever. Um, yeah. And and um, we we love her for that. Um, uh, she she's an amazing person, and Akira Akira's just dope. Uh, like, <laughs> I mean, he, the cat is the cat is he's like go back and listen to the episode. You'll you'll see that he's dope, and and uh, you know, Colin's Colin. Why couldn't Colin be a great human being? He's from Long Island. He's an Islanders fan. <laughs> he's a Jets fan. You know, I mean, what what else? What else can I say? And he's a Republican. So you know, oh, what God. else? What else can Lord I say? Lord have mercy. What else I, I just I want to jump in real quick and yeah. say, <laughs> you know, when we started Spawn on Me, 
you know, that last block of, of, of kind of clips was exactly what we were hoping for when we decided to take this journey. Yeah. Um, you know, having shows where folks can come on, talk about racial identity, racial identity, their blackness, their, their humanness. Right. Um, and talk about it in the frame in the, the framework of video games is exactly what we hope to do every week, uh, either when we have a guest or not. But, you know, you get surprised sometimes by the, the, the things that you hear uh, people come out with uh, when they do feel like they can be in a place where they can talk about these things, frankly. So, right. you know, shout out to all of them for, for, for coming on the show and shout out to them for for, for dropping so much dopeness on on our on our podcast. So right. thank you right. to you, dudes and ladies right. and folks and people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All the good people. Um, you know, you know, another group of people uh didn't necessarily talk about uh racial identity, but they talked about culture and 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 specifically video game as a culture and and, and the video game culture at, at large. Um and uh again, it was just coming from a very real place um with these people and um, you know, once once we were able to to once we heard it as it was happening live, we realized that it was something special. And uh, then listening back, you really get a chance to reflect on just how poignant and and how insightful these people are. Uh, and the next group of people that you're going to be able to hear from are our great friend out of South Africa, Tarek Musa. Um, again, Jason Fagoni, who was who was just on the last episode. Olivia uh, de la Cruz, um, who did an amazing piece on, uh, he really did a scholarly piece on Gamergate. And Madiba Olivier, uh, head of Kiro Games out of Cameroon, um, really breaks down how Africans look at gaming development from the main regions in the world where gaming gaming development is done and uh, their philosophies. This is incredibly insightful. Take a listen. Do do you feel that to a certain extent you, you talked a little bit about the harassment that you had gotten and, and before we get into that necessarily? Do you feel that you know? I guess, I guess maybe another question is: Was this the first time that you've had that kind of vitriol thrown at you in this way? Okay, let's talk about levels. the The level of vitriol, mm, not really. Right. Um, I'm I've been used to that kind of level of vitriol, and. This is, as I'm sure you guys really know this, I've written about, you probably don't know this, but I've written about the death penalty, I've written about gun laws, I've written about abortion, I've written about incest, I've written about <laughs> sex and prostitution and sex work and able, ableist rights and also ableism and so forth. And I've never, I've never received the amount of abuse that I did when I was also writing about video games. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I've, I've, I'm... Also, this I'm an ex I'm an ex Muslim. I've written about pieces against religion as well. Right. Also published. You can easily find them. Wow. Never, never been harassed by Muslims. Wow. Never been harassed by Christians. Wow. The people that harass the people that harass me are people who are supposedly totally not racist, atheists, and so forth. Right. Um, so make of that what you will. But um, yes, I'm, I'm used to it. Right. Um, and I'm used to it not because of euthanasia and abortion, but because I've written about video games. Mm. And that is the saddest thing in the world. Yes. I think I think it was just so incriminating that even the Canadian police finally had to do something. Um, <laughs> you know, like even they, they couldn't really ignore it because it was it was just a video. You know, it was like 
it was like, you know, this orgy of like probable cause, you know, it's like all there. Um, you can ask for anything more, but, um, he was successful in, in destroying the uh, Twitch businesses of a number of women, uh, for a significant amount of time. A lot of them, um, decided to, to leave Twitch, uh, for months because they, um, they, they felt like, I think they felt like it would protect them. Like if they were not on Twitch, he would uh, stop attacking them, which wasn't necessarily the case. Uh, a number were wow. continued to, to wow. be attacked by him even after they left Twitch. But also, I think um, just didn't want didn't want people to see them upset. There, there was a, you know, some of them who were swatted were streaming at the time. And one woman told me about how um, after after the cops came to her house, showed up at her door, the guns, the the all the riot gear. She talked to them talked to them about being stalked. It was all hoax. They left her house. She went back on stream. Uh, she, she, she had, wow. she had told, she had told before, before the cops knocked on her door, when they knocked on the door, she told her stream, um, that her dog had, uh, diarrhea and she had to take her dog out. And, oh, uh, man. and, uh, and when she came back to the stream, uh, she, she apologized for being gone. And then she played, she made it a point to play a couple of more games. Um, and then she shut down her stream and just broke down crying. Um, and, uh, wow. uh That's so sorry. and I think that was a pretty, I think that was a pretty common experience from what I could tell. Uh, on, you know, right. uh, that said, a lot of the women were, uh, did prove to be, uh, really resilient and came back on Twitch. Um, you know, one, one victim told me that she, a couple of days after she was swatted, she made it a point to stream on Twitch because, she didn't want uh, this kid to feel like he had won. Uh, that that right. part of what he was trying to do, he, he had decided that these women were not valid Twitch streamers. He had decided that they had no right mm. to be on Twitch. He had he, he himself yeah. had decided that, and he was going to he was going to drive them off. Uh, and she realized that, and she 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 just said, you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna drive me away from this thing that I love. Gamergate's like a broken record when they claim they accuse people of not uh, researching their movement. Like there's plenty of research, <laughs> there's plenty of conclusions you can draw. Um, they they say like you should talk to real gamer gators, and of course, people, plenty of people talk to real gamer gators, but they still concluded that they're they're kind of motivated by feminist, anti-feminist uh, beliefs. But they still cling on to the like, like, well, you didn't really talk to real gamer gators. You spoke to like the the crazy fringe that makes us look bad, or <laughs> people who are impersonating us to make us look bad. And they just cling on to more of these beliefs, so that they don't have to accept reality. I wanted to ask you one other culture question uh, because I'm I'm so uh, so excited to see that this very this very specifically African game is being made. Um, in a time in which we see a lot of games where uh, characters who are African-American and or African done by non-African companies or non-African studios don't necessarily get the cultural touchstones uh, done very well. They do them usually in kind of stereotypical fashion. Is there anything that you as a game developer or you as a studio would like to convey to the greater kind of gaming community about African culture through your game specifically, or just in the ways that your characters are uh, kind of thought of in their backstory or the way that they animate or the way that they um, uh, uh, come across in your game. Are there any, any uh, cultural touch touchstones or any um, things that you want to specifically kind of get across uh, that, is specifically African to to the rest of the gaming world. 
Hmm. I can say the 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 build of the the story the the main challenge when we were thinking about bringing the Kiro tales that's how we define our way to create games is that we have to analyze that when for example a Japanese creates something anime games you can always feel the Hiroshima fear what we call the Hiroshima fear in the game you see uh, many many creation from Japan have always the the fear of a great explosion that's a Kamehameha, uh, a Ultim Jutsu in Naruto. It's always something around the great explosion, if you see it well. When you see American games, it's sometimes all about uh, free the world with guns, right. <laughs> a lot of guns to free the world. <laughs> and um, <laughs> because that's something American know, free the world with guns. But also when you see European games, <laughs> European games, uh, you will see that there is this uh, Catholic, um, this Christian hmm. influence with um, uh, someone who saved the world versus bad gods or something like that. So <clears throat> we have to find our own African um, roof to also put some basis. But what is pretty interesting with uh, Africa is that it is not a country. It is a lot of country. Uh, and in each country, it is a lot of culture, a lot of tradition. Only in Cameroon, we have two... Right. 250 ethnics so you see when we we have to to imagine the way f I will give you a little example in the game when you will find uh, someone who is die he is not buried into ground he is posted in some sarcophage but not as Egyptian way we have this uh, a tribes, tribes there Isau, the south who put you in the um, Fertus position because they say that you when you come on earth you have this position in the the belly of your mother so uh, so you have to go like this that's something you will see in the game you see okay and that's the kind of thing you can use to create a complete new world and also in the narration like i said we have for example in orion the connection with the ancestors that's something pretty common there, how someone is connected with the ancestor will and uh, how what you are must be in accordance with what your ancestors want or something like that. And uh, we designed the Orionic Energy on this uh, basis, but we pushed the concept very far away because often someone says, but if uh, my ancestor give everything to me, why is my... Uh, free will, etc. So we design it, we adapt it, and we research, and we see that uh, the whole text on African culture already told about about that. The fact that you have your own will and you must stay focused, and that that's pretty deep. In fact, pretty deep. How you, what you can do when you start to do to. to to use African basis to create things. 
I mean, I definitely think that this podcast is gaming scholarship. I mean, that's how I approach it. That's why I'm citing it, you know, all over the book. Because to me, it is scholarship, right? It is academic discourse. And one of the things we learn from fan studies, like people like Henry Jenkins um, and, um, you know, the book Textual Pultures, is is basically that there are these blurred lines between academics and fan cultures. And it's it's sort of a moot point, right? Like, everybody's sort of producing discourse and scholarship and you don't know, you know, one day or another, are you academic or are you a fan? Like it doesn't, it, the, those distinctions matter, do, do not matter at all. So I, I hope you guys really got a sense, um, you know, for those of you who have been listening for all 90, 91 episodes, uh, got a sense to help remind you of those great moments. Uh, for those of you that are new and may not have heard those for the, you know, or hearing them for the first time, I hope you get a sense of exactly why we feel, uh, and, and the people that recommended, uh, spawn on me to you feel like Bricago is such a special place to be. Um, you know, just, again, we were completely, uh, shocked and humbled, um, by, by what these guys had to say. what did you think, huh? Can I just say how much I love Tarek Musa? Oh, I love Tarek Musa, man. Like Tarek, Tarek is one of the dopest people on the goddamn planet. Yes. Like, and and again, it's like things like this, it's like I come away learning things, right? And you know, he talked to he's like, where where would you expect to have had in 2015 a conversation about apartheid and gaming? Right, 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 exactly. You know, what, exactly. you know what I mean? Like stuff like that is great. And then you have like Livio de la Cruz, who you know. I, when, when I looked him up after he wrote his amazing piece, the first thing I came away with was like, damn, the future is in good hands, man. Yes, yes. Like the future is in really dope hands. Yes. If we have folks like him and making Kira, sure stuff like right. that's happening. Right. And then, and then Madiba just like flipped everything. Right. He like, he like, he like for me flipped the table. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? Yes. And it was, it was great to hear that kind of perspective from, 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 from cats who we don't necessarily get to hear from often in the gaming, gaming community, as far as me being people who are consuming, right. Uh, this medium and also making this medium now. So, right. you know, shout out to Madiba for always right. being amazingly dope and, and what, for taking the time out to what, hang out with us in Chicago this year. When was the last time you heard about video games from someone from Cameroon? Never, never. <laughs> yeah, and, at and, least at least at least hardly on the in the podcasting realm. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like you may hear about it in written in written form, but right. very very rarely right. in podcasting form. So, yeah. you know, again, um, shout out to everyone who 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 hung out with us in that section but you know one of the things that we do as well besides <laughs> having dope people to hang out with is we hang out with each other for a long ass time though, yes, most of the year <laughs> and sometimes we kind of lose our shit uh, and, uh yeah you know you get a little uh stir crazy <laughs> you get a little stir crazy you get a little loopy right um i think i think you'll get the gist of that once you hear some of our favorite clips from 2015 as far as us bugging the hell out here you go <laughs> You know, so you know what I, you know what I've done this week is um, I've explained to my coworkers the nuance of the black man head nod. Um, how did that and how did that go? Um, so you know, I explained to them that there is there is a way to make the head nod if you you're walking past someone, you know, you're walking past a, a brother or a sister on the street and you don't know them, you nod your head down. And that's, you know, that's an acknowledgement that you, you see them, you acknowledge them. But if you, if you nod your head up when you see somebody, that's a sign of aggression. Unless, 
of course, you know that person. And then that's just say, hey, what's up? What, wait a minute. Wait, wait. more nuanced than that, though, because I, I do the head up for people. What? I just don't know what I feel like doing really? that day. Yeah, that's weird. I, I don't. That was some weird bizarro the version of the head nod for me. Right. Now, yeah, you see somebody on the street and you like you head up, head up, head, head nod word. And, and that's not that's not beef. No, no, no. Nah, that's like, what's up? How you doing? What's going nah, on? It's the head nod down. I, I didn't first. First of all, I didn't know because you had not. Well, so, well, look for you head nodding down mm-hmm. would be a problem because that means you're trying to headbutt the shit out of somebody. Right. Well, no, nah, I'm not. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying we're like right next to each other. <laughs> we're I mean, salu- you head nodding down. <laughs> we're saluting each other like old British men. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, you're like doing the doff of the doff of the cap, right? And like, right, Hello. exactly. We got and then headbutting the shit. Well, that, that doesn't work. Shit, that doesn't work. I was like, what kind of head nod are you doing? Right. I never heard of that before. I never heard of a down head nod. Yeah, it's really, the, it's the down. How about nod. distance? No. Like, if somebody's far away, I'm more likely to do like a slower down nod. If somebody's at the distance, if they're up close or approaching okay. me, I'm more likely to do a slightly up nod. Really. Hmm. I need, I need, I don't, I need this to be like something that Bricago tells us. All right, right. So people of Bricago, right. if you are down with the head nod, please tell us your interpretations of the head yes. nod. Cause I think Cicero's version is broken. I've never heard of that before. There's just one head nod. There's the up head nod and that's it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The, nah, the up head nod. No, it's not just the up head nod. There are two versions anyway. of the head nod. You see somebody. There's only one. You see somebody and like, you, you know, Hey, uh, just a, a a show of deference to them. You head nod down. Was you know what's happening? I see you. And then if you head nod up, like hey, what's what's up? You know. And that's I mean the head nod up is like what's up. Like the head nod down is like hey well, you know what's good. But the head nod up is what's up. Now what's up could uh, could agreed. be it could be like cordial or it could be aggressive. There's, We're gonna move on right, from the head nod right. discussion because right. there's only two ways that this could go this could <laughs> literally up or down and i think it's already gone down <laughs> that was Prizewell with the ghetto superstars all-stars with uh, ghetto superstars it's featuring maya and the old dirty bastard and Prizewell, the best producer on the mic um great great track um, by the way, I just want to say I've got a running theory that Maya is an elf from the um, North Pole. What? Yes. All right. Here, I'm going to break it down for you. Oh, God. Yeah. So here's how you know Maya is an elf. Um, <laughs> she's mad short. One, one. And the only time you the only time you saw when Maya was hot, the only time you saw Maya was not in the winter. In the winter time, Christmas time, you never saw Maya at a Christmas special. Christmas How time, much she cocaine was working did you sniff at, to North make Pole. up this theory? Huh? Uh, nah. I mean, listen, you can go back and check it. You can check that it. Is, you don't, is, don't doubt Stubby Stan. I'm telling is, you right that here. Is, the no. internet knows Maya is an elf. She works for Santa. That is a theory that you only get from your cousin Bunny. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that we've seen in the in the latest iteration of the game. Um, some stuff that was really good, some stuff that was not so good, some stuff that you can see they kind of maybe uh, bit off a little bit more they can chew. We know that there were some online issues right out the gate. Uh, we know that there were some 
some some missteps that were had in both still the the, the capabilities of being online. We're not gonna we're not gonna kind of talk about that too much because everybody already knows it's kind of already already done. The biggest issue that I had with the game, and I think that you know we can all talk to this, is Demarcus Cousins' voice. <laughs> <laughs> DeMarcus Cousins, by far, I, brother, if I ever meet you in the street, we need to have a discussion. <laughs> because I have never, I, it, I, you know, I'm a Knicks fan. I understand that the, my team is garbage right now. I made my dude. I scared my dude's face in. It looks like me. I don't look like a burn victim. I'm, I'm still on the team. I forced my way onto the Knicks because I started off on the Kings. And I, I, I did every bad decision-making conversation prompt to get away from DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> because DeMarcus Cousins sounds like he got hit by every Mike Tyson punch. <laughs> no command. Hey, hey, man, you got to get off my boy Marcus, uh, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, man. Everybody does not have the skills that Khalif and Cicero have. You, you put a mic in front of you guys, you know what to do with it. You know, Man. some people, it, it, all God's children, we are all God's children. You know, and and they're and they're never going to get that love unless for some reason third parties actually make a change, which I doubt. Because when third parties were like on point for on the Wii, when the Wii was like selling like a gangbuster, they were still making crappy ports. <laughs> well, I mean, because I mean, because yeah. the hardware was crap. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, how are you going to make a first off the hardware was was <laughs> inferior to the to, uh, listen, man, I got I got to keep it. You I got to so, keep it 100, son. So I got to keep it 100. You're so, so, so angry this episode. Yeah, right. Yo, but I'm saying so like, I mean, the hardware was inferior to to the PS3 and the 360 by by magnitudes. You know, it wasn't even you know, it wasn't even like the 360 was inferior hardware wise to the to the PS3 but the I mean but the the Wii wasn't even in this it wasn't even in the same same solar system so you know so I mean so you had Galaxy. that problem first uh. and then the other <laughs> and then the other part the other part was you know like now I've got to take this game that I've I've mapped out with you know my controller has 10 buttons on it and now I've got to map that same game for this thing with a directional pad and two buttons and some little trigger shit on the back. And then I got to use start buttons and ones. You, wait, and hold on. Wait, wait, wait. See, hold on. What? Wow. What? You, you just went into the oldest, blackest man tirade <laughs> of all time. I know. All these buttons you and things. About, you were about to throw. <laughs> you were about to throw something through the internet. Right. Well, all right. Hold well, on. All right. Hold, 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 hold so on one second. If, if I can't do that. If I can't do that, if I can't get my ABM on, angry black man for a second, um, am I allowed to at least talk about, this is Nintendo-centric, at least talk about how Luigi is the black Mario brother? Oh, my God. What? All right. So Luigi (laughs) is the black Mario brother. Let's let's, let's talk about this. We're going to unpack this for a second. I, right, the gangly Freddy Cat one. Right, right. So Luigi, so Luigi is this right, episode is brought to you by the letter W, right. as in what the fuck. <laughs> right. Go so ahead. he's 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 the taller one. He can jump mad high. Cicero. He, he Cicero. never gets the girl. Cicero. And the only thing he gets to do 
when he gets when he's by himself, the only thing he gets to do is vacuum up ghosts. Oh my but God, he's scared of them. <laughs> Done. Mic okay. drop. So, oh man. Um, I don't know how to. I don't know how you come back from Black Mario. Right. Like I don't know how you come back. I don't know how you look at yourself in the mirror and feel okay as a human being after you say Black Mario. Luigi was the Black Mario brother. I don't know how you do that, but Cicero finds a way every morning. To That's wake up right. In the That's right. You know why? <laughs> because I know I'm right. I challenge you. I challenge you to debate whether or not Luigi is. I mean, I said it all out. I mean, it's indisputable facts. It's indisputable facts. Oh God. Just like Jesus. Maya is an elf. When was the last time? <laughs> when was the last time you saw Maya between Thanksgiving and Christmas? Actually, you know what the funny thing is? Never. The, fun, the best part of that clip, the best part of that clip was not even the fact that you said that Maya was an elf. It was the fact that you said that Proz was the best producer on the mic. He said he was the best producer on the mic. I was just repeating you, what he said. Oh, oh okay, okay. Because I was about to say you have no musical cred after you say if you said that shit out of your face. I looked, at, I looked, at, I looked at my wife when that part came up, and we both looked at each other like, "Did Cicero just say that Proz was the best performer on the mic?" What? Anyway, I want to hear you. I want to have you have this discussion. Uh, <laughs> again in 2016 i want to see this come up come about again but oh yeah i mean you know. go ahead go ahead and challenge me you know no, it's God, just like no. it's just like hashtag stubnostications i am stub stubs uh stubs dramas i can't say words i can't say them <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know somebody lying right, when they, they can't say words. right. but right my but eyes this are, is, this are is mad open right now yeah I'm not yeah like blinking. i said in, like i said in the clip man how much cocaine how much cocaine but you know it kind of it kind of wraps around to say you know i love you man i love it, you too brother I, lo- I love the fact that we get to do this every every week absolutely um we get to have amazing folks come through and we have such a dope community that has like embraced us in a way that I didn't expect, but I'm also just like in awe of at this point, you know, we have so many dope people who come to listen to our show and come and hang out with us and engage with us, uh, both off often online that it's, it's really, you know, heartwarming to me to see that that is what has grown in our lovely land of Chicago over the past two years, man. Yeah. yeah it, it, it really is amazing. Uh, you know, uh, again, um, if you're if you're a resident of Chicago, if you're a Chicagoan, um, you know you're not a fan. You're a friend, uh, and and um, I, I've been blessed with uh, just a plethora of new friends over the last couple of years. Um, both both people that are uh, enthusiast press like ourselves, um, whether <laughs> they whether they be uh, our sister show uh, Anna and Jessica and Unconsolable or or Steve Lubitz and the gang and Isometric, or the the lovely ladies of the recently deceased Justice Points, uh, uh, Apple Cider and Sufi, we love you. Um, can't wait to see what you guys are doing next. And, and of course, I'd be remiss if, uh, if I didn't thank, personally thank our big brothers um, over at Gamertag Radio. Um, you guys have been word, dope. Word dope dope mentors to us um and uh and like like the great trut said peace to this one and that one and them that's right a shout out and i didn't miss one friend um so that's that's for for everybody else because uh really honestly i love all of you guys 
Um, and and the person I love the most is uh, the guy on the other side of the microphone. So, oh yeah. man, that made me almost bubble snot cry. Yeah, but I'm not gonna do it because uh, I'm holding it, I'm holding on to hypermasculinity. All That's right. what I'm doing. All right, you do that. Do that. You do that in 2016. But no, you know, not, like they I'm said, it's all right to cry. <laughs> I think that was the Eric Jerome Dickey book. Anyway. Right. <laughs> Um, before we boogie up out of here for episode 91, I have to thank all of you at home. And I want to do that through my words and also through a couple of statistics that I pulled over the year. Right. So we are approaching uh, fast and quick and, and, and almost in a meteoric kind of way uh, to 100,000 downloads of our show in wow. less than two years. Wow. Coming coming from two two cats who do this show in their living rooms and or back rooms and right. or kitchen tables. Right. A number like a hundred thousand seemed unreasonable and un unimaginable. Yeah. So to yeah. know that all of you out there have helped us get to this point, we have to thank you for that, uh, especially. Yeah. Um we are now listened to or have been listened to in at least in the past two years. In over 60 countries, wow. which, again, is one of those things where, you know, we shout out people like Torek and we shout out people like Mike Bithel uh, and other folks around Bricago for, for spreading the word of Bricago far and wide. Um, we've had almost 50, we have 54 guests this year, which is crazy because uh, we've done crazy. what from 40, 43 to 91. So we've had like 54 guests in the time that we've done it in 2015. And lastly, but not leastly, uh, I have to say this number always throws me off, but it's great to hear because uh, we put in a lot of hard work and we right. do a lot of stuff behind the scenes and bust ass to try to make things dope for ourselves and for you. We have done in 2015, 95 hours of content. So that means that if you <laughs> racked up all of our shows, stacked them up on top of each other, that's over what? How many, how many that's, days? That's that four days. You'd have four days of uninterrupted listening Minus an hour for a bathroom break. You'd need an hour long bathroom break after four days of uh of sworn on me. It's like the not it's like the not Twilight Zone Marathon version right, right. of podcasting. Right. That so. is that is yes. Yeah, so you can listen to all of the episodes of Spawn on Me or you can watch um the Lord of the Rings extended trilogy. Either one oh, takes about the same amount of time. But you'll laugh a They're- lot more. And you'll learn yeah. a lot more listening to us. One day I'll talk about how I don't care about Lord of the Rings. But uh, anyway. Motherfucker, no, no, you don't care about anything. Like, you don't care about fun. You care about, you are, <laughs> you should change your name to Carmudgeon. That's what your name should be from now. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of perfect. I hate you. Anyway. <laughs> We're about to get up out of here for episode 91. Um, damn, that hurt my soul. Um, <laughs> a couple of things of note uh, on MLK MLK weekend this yes. year, uh, January 16th and 17th, we will be doing our second Spawn for Good. Uh, we'll be doing it for uh, at abortion funds. So uh, we're going to be talking about reproductive rights and abortion access. Uh, that's who we're going to be fundraising for. Uh, so if you want to stream with us, let us know. Uh, we'll fill you in on all the details that you'll need for that. Um, we also have um, podcast movement that's happening, and that'll probably be, probably be the first time Cicero and I meet for the it first might, time. It so might be. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if something happens before then. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, oh, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe that would be dope. Yeah. Uh, so you may see two big ass grown men crying on video yeah. somehow. I don't right. know. We'll, we'll, we'll at least have a really good hug. 
Right. Um, right. It'll be on Snapchat. Uh, it'll, oh, God. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, and, yeah, we have some dope stuff planned for 2016. We yeah. are already in the works trying to nail down interviews with some other dope people that you have not heard from yet on our show. Uh, and if you know folks that you want to have on us, on not on us, but on our show, <laughs> like Kamala, def- <laughs> if you know someone who wants to Yokozuna splash us, right. uh, then let us know uh, and see. We'll give you all the social media business and let you know how to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before I do, I want to again want to uh, say to Bricago, thanks. Thanks so much for uh, taking this ride with us for two years. Um, it's it's really been humbling to to watch Bricago grow and and uh, watch the community grow and uh, you know really we we truly truly appreciate the support and the faith that you guys have in us. Um, so oh and and uh, special shout out to Sharif Jackson and uh, you know that that dude Dan Moore down in 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 the A. Um, because we love you brothers. Um, cause, and Sharif's, you know, he's always around lurking somewhere with pushing a shopping cart, um, counting no finance. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, uh, we love you cats, man. You know, we wouldn't be where we are without you guys. Uh, so social media business is as follows. Uh, you can find, uh, the great captain Kamudgeon at, on Twitter at Kajakins. You can find me, the fumbler, bumbler, stumbler of words at Stubby Stan. The show is at Spawn on Me. Uh, make sure you find the show on iTunes and Stitcher and, you know, wherever your favorite podcatcher is. Rate and review and subscribe and, and do all that thing. Tell your friends um, if this is your first time listening to us. So hopefully you got edutained and uh, you want to listen to us some more and you want to leave us a review and tell us how dope we are because we're pretty dope. And uh, <laughs> if you want to go check out our site, you can go to spawnon.me. You can find the archives there. Um, and find all sorts of interesting tidbits uh, right there. And uh, if you want to help us out, you want to support us, uh, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spawn on me, and give us a couple of ducats so that we can uh, get together and do things and keep the lights running in Bricago. Word. Yeah, especially shout out to all of our patrons over the past year and folks who are still still supporting us and uh, folks who have just supported us in the past couple of days. Uh, Also, really quickly update on where you can find us. We're both on NPR earbud.fm. That is correct. And and we just got added to NPR one, which is their podcast aggregator that is on mobile. So like NPR one is even more dope than NPR earbud in some ways because you can have it on your phone everywhere you that go correct. and you can share out shows directly right. from it so NPR has given us a lot of love in 2015 and hopefully right. they will do some more stuff with them in 2016 right. but until then we are going to boogie up out of here episode 91 much love to everyone in Chicago we will see you soon and we will say peace hey.